Hello, Sales Lift audience. It's Tyler Lindley, your host here. Today, I have Simka Cackley with Swivel. Uh, welcome to the show, Simka. How you doing? Good, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. I'd love to dive in. And uh, if you could tell the audience a little bit about what you do and, and what Swivel is. Sure. So Swivel uh, was created about two years ago, and we help small and medium businesses, 10 million to 200 million in annual revenue, uh, who are B2B. We help them move from brute force growth to scalable growth. So we help them with building that recipe. Awesome. What do you mean by brute force growth? I'm interested in uh, what does that term mean? Yeah. So to me, that means that sales guys uh, are out there building business via relationships and outreach and, and, and a lot of outbound. So they don't have a pipeline. They, they cannot predict revenue generally, and they're not leveraging marketing. Hmm. Interesting. So do you come in and start you introduce uh, marketing concepts? Is, is marketing your background, Simka? Yeah, so I have background in both marketing and sales, but uh, largely marketing. So uh, VP of marketing at a $30 million company, VP of sales and marketing at a $20 million company, and, and director of marketing at a $300 million company. And so through that experience, I learned, luckily, really early on to partner with sales, mm -hmm. um, e even when I wasn't leading them, of course. And so, so what I found was that you know, by integrating their ideas and bringing in what they think the buyers need along the journey and what processes marketing can deploy really allows for them to be excited when the opportunities come and, and allow for us to iterate together. Awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you come in and, and try to create or fix marketing and sales alignment. That's a topic that we talk about a lot here on, on the sales lift. Uh, what is, what is, what does good marketing and sales alignment look like to you in an ideal situation? Simco, what are some of those uh, things that you look for uh, when that's done well in an organization? Yeah, great question. I think healthy marketing and sales alignment is when the departments and, and the individuals are talking often. So mm. I'd say at, at least weekly. Also, they define the stages of the buyer journey similarly or together, right? The SLAs, the service level agreements around those stages, they agree to them together. They're, they're talking about you know what content along the buyer journey Fire, fire journey would be beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, you know, sales is, it's just, just critical that they're together on building the pipeline, converting it to revenue so that marketing isn't just thinking about volume. They are thinking about quality and ultimately the revenue. Hmm. Interesting. Do you find when you go in to most of these or to most of these organizations that you work with, do they already have some of those SLAs in place? And if you can kind of define what does that SLA mean, what does that look like typically? Yeah. Well, the companies I'm working with, there's perhaps one marketing person and a lot of salespeople. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, they're they're doing brute force growth, which means their marketer really is helping with support materials, with 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 maybe proposals templates, slick sheets, that type of thing, right? And maybe some air cover on social media and email marketing. Mm. Um, but they, they are not going to market and reaching new audiences. They are, are not uh, typically building a pipeline. So um, in those companies, the sales, the sales and marketing alignment is very much... It's just not there. Mm. 
So what was your question? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talking about SLAs specifically, service level agreements, right? So right. what what does that mean yeah. exactly? And what, what does that typically look like between a sales and a marketing team? Right. And so, you know, with the clients that I'm working with, the SLAs are, are really not an existent. The SLAs are really delivered within the sales team itself. And so the sales KPIs, the quotas, right? The, mm-hmm. the number of calls per day, the number of what the conversion rate looks like, mm-hmm. what the response rate... Now, typically an SLA is some, something like if an inbound lead comes in mm-hmm. and you know it has this score or this qualification, then they are to respond within 15 minutes. That's really the best mm-hmm. scenario. So that's an example of a service level agreement. Got it. You know, another might be you know, these warm prospects are engaging in bottom of funnel content online. They're going to be on a salesperson daily best bets report. Hmm. And those need to be reached before any of their other prospects. Hmm. And then an activity in Salesforce would need to be tracked. And so then what we can do with reporting is ensure that that SLA, that service level agreement is is being followed by looking at the percentage of prospects that were assigned and tasks mm. that were created and completed. Gotcha. So it sounds like you're almost creating these best practices for the sales team. And then, you know, these metrics that you're going to hold them accountable to so that they're getting back in touch, especially with the low hanging fruit, it sounds yeah. like in a reasonable amount of time. So exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Exactly. And what's really important is that we don't start with SLAs mm-hmm. and really it's important to start with a pilot. I always recommend a pilot when we're starting with a new, a new approach to sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. And when we're reaching new audiences and bringing pipeline in, whether it's very hot pipeline, like an inbound lead or just warm pipeline that's engaged, it's important to have a small team of less than six people typically. So perhaps, you know, four salespeople and two people from marketing. Uh, and then maybe, you know, a, a couple of the leaders are, are engaged as well. And so what that allows is for us to iterate those SLAs as we go. Because, you know, we don't start and say, okay, these are all going to be called within, within 15 minutes. Well, we don't know what the volume looks like. Maybe sales says that the quality isn't as good as we thought, you know, with this particular rule. Maybe, you know, the there's other opportunity that's more important that we find. And so that's why it's just so, it's so flexible at first with a pilot team. And then over a 90-day period, we get really clear on what SLAs make sense. Because we don't want SLAs to interfere with, you know, success, really. Mm-hmm. And flexibility is critical for that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Starting with a smaller group and and kind of figuring out what those need to be. You mentioned brute force growth and in, in, in how these teams that you work with typically have a larger sales team and then maybe a small, if non maybe non-existent marketing team. And when you're going into a situation like that, where an organization is mainly a sales organization and, and doesn't have marketing, what are some of those key things that you're looking at initially to set up from a marketing standpoint that, that make the most sense? in that situation where it is an outbound organization, it is a brute force growth organization, but now they're starting to maybe open up to these ideas of marketing and maybe some inbound concepts. What are you looking at setting up first, typically in that kind of a situation? 
Yeah. One, the the very first thing that we would set up in building a a healthy sales and marketing alignment is the go-to-market strategy. So what are what are the ideal prospects? So the ideal customer profile, what is the positioning in the market? What are the competitors? What's the the differentiation, essentially the value proposition um, that is unique? And so within the targeting specifically, I always recommend hyper specialization hmm. with the with the initial kickoff of sales and marketing. So you, for example, a company might be targeting six different niches, mm-hmm. but I would recommend that we go after one of those niches in the pilot stage in order to improve relevance of our messaging to really uh, test that market and get the best opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. And, and then we replicate that recipe that we create together across the other five niches. Mm. Awesome. Do you find that some of those folks, if they have, like you said, three, five, 10 niches that they might target, did they struggle to say, okay, we're just going to focus on one? Because I know sometimes that can be a common struggle if you if you have, oh, all this opportunity here, but no, we're just going to focus on this piece. Is that a tough sell sometimes internally to that organization? No question. Yes. And and it really comes down to data and also key stakeholder um, input, you know, qualitative discussions. And so, you know, do so what we might find is that there are certain customer niches that have a higher lifetime value, mm. uh, certain customer niches that have a higher velocity and close rate certain ones where the addressable market is larger, where the opportunity is larger. So there's so many variables in deciding this. That's why it's important to have a guide, you know, someone like me or, you know, another partner that can do this because, you know, when you're too close to a business, it's, it's really, and you, and you kind of have uh, some biases in the business <laughs> too, that, that happen just naturally. So, I think by looking at the data, by having conversations on where's the best opportunity to win, sometimes I do meet in the middle and end up testing two different markets or three different niche markets. In other words, that would be the first part of the pilot is let's say we are not very clear on uh, the niche. Mm. Then that's the very first test. The very first test is all right, we're going to do minimum viable campaign mm-hmm. for three niches. Mm. And and the the test success metrics are not not revenue yet because we're not there yet. First we just need to test which niche is leaning in. Right? Click through rate is the primary KPI in this particular test mm-hmm. with with paid media. And and I would also do email marketing too, of course, but but paid media is really where we're gonna reach these new audiences and engage them and and move them down the funnel. So Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it sounds uh, like, you know, technology is definitely a part of this conversation as you come in and set this up. Do you find in these organizations, do they already have a, a marketing and sales tech stack that makes sense? Or are you going in and, and, and implementing that as well or making recommendations there? Where does, where does technology and software tools come into play here in your process? Yeah, many of the businesses I'm talking to in brute force growth do not have a tech stack that is going to work appropriately for their future. And that is a must, must, must have with this process. Mm. And it's the least cost. I mean, the ROI is huge. 
So there's no question that I would deploy a marketing automation platform, integrate it with their CRM, make sure that we fully understand uh, the buyer stages and, and map those appropriately in the marketing automation, leverage the visitor tracking to retarget people based on their engagement. The website is the hub. Mm -hmm. The website will have all kinds of content and we want to monitor what people are interacting with. Marketing automation is the answer mm -hmm. for that. Without that, you, you go in and, and reach people blindly. Mm, right. Do you find that the frontline sales reps that you're working with, obviously, it sounds like you're working with the leadership and the executive level teams that are key, have you know key stakeholders in this process. What about the frontline sales reps? You know, as you as you come in and and you start, you know, talking about marketing and bringing in marketing automation and and doing these concepts that to a, a brute force growth company is probably foreign and, and it may sound uh, scary. H how do you, how does, how do you get this message to resonate with the frontline sales rep? Cause at the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to need to be utilizing these tools and, and systems and processes that you set up. What is the selling point there to get them to buy in? Yes. Well, I don't, I, I really don't sell to them. In other words, what I mean is that they are really part of the pilot team. Mm. So the, the initial team, core team that we put together, we would choose three to four individual contributors. Mm. And, you know, you want to be careful in who you choose. You want people who are really super open and flexible to new ways of doing it, to iterating as we go, to just figuring this out as we go and are not afraid of change, but and then are fairly high performers. But you also don't want to alienate those that are, are less performing, so to speak. And, and you definitely want to understand when we scale this pilot, we want to have a representative set of sales reps who who who, who res like who basically represent mm -hmm. the broader sales organization so that we when we scale this we have confidence that we can scale it so there's a little bit of that but i always choose multiple individual contributors to be a part of the process mm -hmm. and i'm like I, when i don't start with tech i don't like that's like uh, a how but that's not they don't have to be worried about that and so i know never find that they are actually, you know, what we talk about is how can we drive you, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Sales Rep, more leads, more uh, data so that when you're reaching people, you know that they're more likely to respond. Mm -hmm. um, scripts that will allow you to open up the conversation uh, with something of relevance based on what they've interacted with online. They are so excited. They are so <laughs> excited. And then what happens is those two to three guys are girls are then telling you know the rest of the organization when we go to scale that this works this increased mm. my money like i'm making more money because of this <laughs> at the end of the day right. that's that's my goal and during the pilot it it's going to take time that's why these guys like we're in this together mm -hmm. and we we don't know the recipe for your organization i can tell you the recipe to start with and mm -hmm. and that we go with we we need market validation. We need, you know, sales and marketing to be talking so that we can iterate this together. Mm -hmm. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So we've been talking about sales enablement without kind of saying the word directly, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on what does sales enablement kind of mean to you, Simka? Yeah. So I like to reference serious decisions definition. Mm -hmm. And and there are, but there are so many definitions out there. There's like... A, Example: High Spot is a content marketing organization, and they, you know, they a lot of companies consider sales enablement to be just content hmm. management. 
And, and then a serious decision says in B2B sales environments, the tenure of the sales reps are lower. Hmm. So that, that's really the, the crux of all this. Bridge reported that 35% of salespeople turn over hmm. in B2B environments. And it's because they are not being set up to succeed mm-hmm. in today's modern buyer landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so serious decisions definition uh, is the goal of sales enablement is to ensure reps possess the skills, knowledge, assets, and process expertise to maximize every buyer interaction. Mm-hmm. Right. But I would make a recommendation on changing that definition. Hmm. So what would be your recommendation? Just, mm-hmm, instead of just maximizing every buyer interaction, we need to prioritize mm. and then maximize <laughs> every buyer interaction. It's so such a critical difference because uh, organizations think that we just need to enable who they're already talking to, maximize those those conversations. And sure, we can do that. We can increase close rate. We can increase velocity through the right scripts, the right content toolkit. But there's more we can do on the front end of that, right? Mm-hmm. Who are we reaching? Are we reaching those ideal customer profiles that are that have a high propensity to close and become high margin and become high uh, lifetime value. That's the go-to-market part. Then now, once leads are in the funnel, which ones are bottom of funnel and which ones are experiencing engaging with content top of funnel? Well, let's not reach... So you cannot score top of funnel content equal to bottom of funnel content. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so many companies in their marketing automation platform say, well, regardless of what they engage with, if they engage with a blog, I'm giving 50 points. <laughs> I'm making this up. But it, it matters what the topic is. Mm-hmm. So if the blog is about top five things to consider before sales enablement training versus top five trends in sales enablement in 2020... Hmm. That's different because the first one is I'm considering sales enablement training for my business and I need to know five things to think about mm-hmm. before going forward. I'm I'm more bottom of funnel, right? I'm more in market than just looking at some trends. Right. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Uh, I love the term how you say prioritize and then maximize because I think for a lot of the organizations like you're talking about, you need to come in and set that maybe go-to-market strategy or at least refine it, work on a few of those niches, work on that prioritization, then we can maximize. So, but yeah, I love uh, I love that. And I think serious definition otherwise is, is a great one in talking about the skills and knowledge. One thing you mentioned there, Simka, is you talk about how sales enablement is not just content. You know, what did you mean by that? And where do you think content does come into play with sales enablement? But how is that how is that a limiting definition for it? Yeah, so I think there are six components of sales enablement. Uh, the first is inbound leads, of mm-hmm. course. So driving people who raise their hand and say, I am interested in talking with sales. Yep. That's obvious. But most companies start there and, and stop there. Hmm. The second component of sales enablement is prioritizing outbound. So how we do that is with daily best bets reports on people who are engaging with suggested scripts based on what they're engaging with. And and again, those people are bottom of funnel based on what they're engaging with. Yep. 
The third component of sales enablement is content. So as people are in the funnel, we can salespeople can provide content as a nurture. Here's another piece on sales enablement training that you might consider. Here's another piece on X that, that just kind of advances the credibility and trust and, and helps the buyer with their buyer journey. That's mm-hmm. what's so important. And that, that then you could use tools that help organize that content so that you have the right piece at the right time for the sales rep. Mm-hmm. The fourth is is sales. Oh gosh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Hold on. There you <laughs> the go. fourth for me, yeah. So the fourth is scaling personalized buyer interactions. Mm-hmm. So using tools like outreach and and other yep. vidyard and things like that that help personalize those buyer interactions because relationship sales is not going away. I don't believe it's going away. It's just a matter of scaling those personalized buyer messaging so that we know who's leaning in and then you can go one-to-one. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, The the fifth one is workflow efficiencies. Hmm. So by shadowing salespeople for an hour or two, you can see what data they're trying to collect on a prospect by before reaching them, what information they're looking for, what are they doing manually today that's taking away from selling time? And marketing and, and data can help with that, both with workflows or additional data insights. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last component of sales enablement is sales onboarding. Mm-hmm. So as new sales reps come on, we have a package and a training around how to communicate the buyer personas, the buyer types, the buyer journey, what the components are that that sales can do to engage in and advance and accelerate those buyer journeys. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Yeah. Onboarding. You mentioned that last one there. Onboarding. I think that's a that's a key piece. Is that something that you would come in and and potentially look to revamp their onboarding process? Yeah. And and if so, what are you seeing as some of the mistakes that companies typically make with onboarding? And and what would you do to fix some of those? Right. Well, a lot of my clients, again, are in that brute force growth stage. So Mm -hmm. their onboarding is really nothing. (laughs) It's like, you know, jump in and, you know, I'm I'm assuming you've got your Rolodex because that's why we hired you. (laughs) Uh, So go after them. Right. And, and they might have a PowerPoint template and that's it. It's like, oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, so, so, you Good know, luck. Just, right. There's a lot to do there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, I really enjoyed the conversation up to this point. I'm going to go ahead and take us to our lightning round, Simka, of a couple of questions that I like to ask everyone. So what, what book would you recommend to our audience and why? Yeah. So I thought about this one, Buyer Personas. Hmm. Okay. Buyer Personas is by Adele Ravella and it has the templates around buyer personas that activate uh, activate them beyond the personas that you would typically see by marketing agencies. Awesome. Okay, so, cool. Uh, I'll, I'll expand on that. So for example, you know, companies will say, oh, your persona is you're an avid adventurer, 25 to 55 years old, and we're just going to call you Tom... Mr. Adventurer. Mm-hmm. And that do, that has nothing to do with his buying process. Hmm. That, that has um, nothing to do with who influences him, what decision drivers he has. 
how he goes through that purchase process. So that's really what buyer personas is all about. Yeah. Awesome. And we'll link to that in the show notes. If anybody wants to pick up uh, that book, it sounds like a great read. What is your favorite home cooked meal made by you or someone in your family? Well, it has to be my husband because he's an amazing cook and that would be his crab cakes. They are so good. Awesome. I just love them. Yeah. Awesome. Any special sauces or anything special in the recipe or? I, I can't tell you. <laughs> I'd have to kill you. <laughs> Trade secrets. So uh, love it. What software tool or app could you not live without? Yeah, it's it's a marketing automation platform, any of them. Mm. So those the marketing automation platforms, I HubSpot in particular, Again, like you can't do any growth recipe without it. Mm, awesome. Great. If you could go back in time 10 years and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Yes, I love this question. <laughs> I would pick my battles. So there are just a lot, there's a lot of energy that I have. And and there, there were probably times that I pushed too hard for new ideas and just kind of pick pick your battle and you kind of, you kind of figure that out over time. But. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great advice. And how can, how can my listeners find you online? Simca, what would be the best place uh, for them to reach you? Yeah. So Simca at swivelteam.com or www.swivelteam.com. Okay. Awesome. Great. And uh, we will link to those in the show notes. So Simka, I want to really appreciate you coming on today. It's been a great conversation. Check out the show notes, everyone, for all the uh, links that we discussed. And Simka, we'll have to do this again one day as a great chat. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift l-i-f-t dot com have questions for me email me at tyler at the saleslift.com we look forward to seeing you back here next week and we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs remember ideas plus action equals results you've got new ideas now it's time to take action and the results will follow see you next time